Welcome to the Sunrise Podcast with Dr. M.M. Amakaro. We hope you enjoy it. Amen. Father, we worship you this morning. So magnify ancient days. Thank you for who you are. Worship you. The one that does truth. Father, who will never lie. They uncaught our soul. The reason we live and move. The reason we have our being. We worship you this morning. We exalt you, Holy Father. We exalt you, our rock. Our rock of escape. We exalt you. Receive our praise, O Lord. For there is none like you. There is none like you. You are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for divine interventions. Thank you for the hope in our hearts. The hope that will not disappoint. We receive this day as a gift. You will add no sorrow. Thank you for family. Thank you, Lord, for the open heavens. Thank you for hearing the alarm when we sound and the trumpet when it blasts for your interventions. Thank you for divine provisions. Thank you for security, for you have set us in safety. Thank you, Lord, for healing the earth. Thank you for healing us. Thank you for preserving us. Have your way, Holy Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed, amen. So we have been looking in the world and seeing the word of God, the power in the word, the power of the covenants, and the love of God, the compassion in the heart of God concerning his people at various times in various ways, and what the word of God does in our heart, the hearts of the, those who believe. So we see, we've been recently talking about God's divine interventions. We looked at Naomi and Ruth. How they moved from chapter 1 to chapter 4. God's divine intervention. And then we also see the place of man in the interventions of God. We are not passive. That's when we consider that passage that says, um, he that hears the word of God and does not and does not do what it says, it's like a man who looks in the mirror. So that was awakening us to knowing that we have a part to play. We must first hear, we must understand, and we must apply. So we see all these people. The other day we saw, he said, when you're faced with an enemy and you're oppressed, sound an alarm. God will remember you. He will remember you and he will save and he will deliver you. So we looked in the Bible to see the people who sounded alarm in the various ways that they sounded an alarm. So, and then we now ask the question, so when we sound an alarm, does heaven keep quiet? And we saw in the book of Zechariah that he comes with the word of comfort. He comes with the word of comfort. If there were ever a people who needed the word of comfort, who needed, you know, 
to hold on to hope. It was the people in the covenant people of God, Israel, in captivity. And we saw how that the seven years had come and gone, you know, they were just slipping back. How Daniel discovered by the books and prayed. So in the, in the book of Zechariah, we see Zechariah coming out with a series of prophecies. And then Zechariah started, you know, prophesying. At the end, when we saw it, he said, these 70 years, will you still be angry with your people after these 70 years? Started prophesying at the end of exile, they, then the beginning of their return. God answered them and they returned. You know, but when they return, now we are talking about, you can imagine returning from exile after 70 years. After 70 years. Of course, the elders had died. Those ones who were already old at that time, if a few of them still, because when we know the story of where the foundation of the temple was laid, the new town temple, we've shared that before. When the elders who had seen the glory of the former temple, they were weeping. Joy, whereas the younger generation, they were shouting, and so there was a mixture of weeping and shouting with joy. So today we still want to look at Zachariah because I just started imagining. I said, when they returned, that the seventy years when they returned, there was a generation that really had never been in the land of Jerusalem because they were born in exile. So I'm just imagining the desolation that they met. Yes, the walls were built, but the temple was still desolate. And a lot of things, it's like you, just imagining something came to disrupt your normal life. Structures and infrastructures were thrown down, and then suddenly you return. It's like after the war, people who returned. So where, where would they start? Where do you start? So I'm just imagining in my head what they would have met when they returned. But you see, God did not keep still. God constantly kept speaking, using prophets, the younger generation of prophets, like this Zachariah, Haggai, to continue to speak, continue to declare the mind of God. So there are situations in our lives the only thing that makes sense is what we hear God saying. What we hear God saying. So that if when we hold on to what we hear God saying, it does not matter the contrasting situation before us. Because eventually, the Almighty God, who was able to bring them out of that captivity, will do what he said he would do in that land. He will restore. It will now become again like the Garden of Eden. That was his promise. So keep hearing what God is saying. So today, we want to look at Zechariah chapter 9. That same book that we read yesterday. And I want to read from verse, verse 9. He said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He said, He's just 
he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the, the fowl of a donkey. We often hear this when it is Christmas. It's one of those scriptures that was also a prophecy concerning the coming of Christ, the Savior. And it's one of these, one of these passages that they read to align with when Jesus rose, rode on a donkey as he was going to Jerusalem towards his crucif crucifixion. But when you read down, you also see that it was referring to God coming to deliver his people, even in the physical, as they were at that time. He continues to say, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. In other words, all the conflicts that you have faced, all the contradictions that you feel, captivity, harassment, everything that you faced, he said, I'm, I will cut them off. I will cut them off. You see, when we read the word of God, it jumps at us. And the rhema word translates to God speaking directly to you concerning your very situation. The word will speak to the future. The word will speak to the now. The word will speak to you. And the word will speak to another person. The same word of God, spirit and life differently severally falling on different grounds and he's still god speaking concerning his mind so where we are going to today is 11 and 12 he continues to say as for you also because of the blood of your covenants i will set your prisoners free from the waterless pits amen Say, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. Amen. You can imagine the returnees <coughs> hearing this <coughs> prophecy from, from the prophets. He's speaking to them. He said, I will, he said, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. Imagine you looking at a land lying fallow. Imagine you looking at desolation. Imagine you wondering and standing, what do I do? Where do I start? And imagine you hearing from God. He said, calling you the prisoner of hope. Return to your stronghold. I will restore double. So what does it mean to be a prisoner of hope? What does it mean for God to call his people? Say, return to your stronghold, prisoner of hope. When we talk about hope, remember there was a time we talked about hope. You have heard the word of God. You have appropriated his promises. And you have waited and waited a while. And it looks like, will it ever come to pass? When they say the vision will tarry. Eh? And it will not tarry. Wait for it. Say that vision will speak. And it seems that the vision will tarry is all that you are seeing. And the, it will not tarry is what you are not seeing. So when will it speak? 
So these returnees, at some point, they were desperate. So when will the temple be rebuilt? When will all these things come together? When will Israel be restored? When will we go back to how we used to be? But the word that they had is hold on to your hope. To be a prisoner of hope is a look. <laughs> Whatever is going on, my mind is set. It's like hope has taken me captive. I will never lose hope. I will never lose hope. Hope has become my stronghold because I don't have an alternative. Me trusting God. God who gave me an answer of peace when I raised an alarm. God who said, I will come and I will deliver, I will save you. When I cried, I should remember me. He said, I cannot forget you. A mother may forget a suckling child, but I will always remember you. Abraham was a prisoner of hope. Hoping against hope. The Bible says, hoping against hope, he hoped. So hope became his stronghold. I look at situations, I see what should make me anxious. I see situations that should just make me give up, should bring depression, should just, enough. But instead of this situation having me, I retreat to my stronghold. What is my stronghold? Let hope take me captive. The day I lose hope, then I am wasted. The day I lose hope is the day I'm wasted. That fortress is gone. What has fortified me is gone. There is no anchor. There's no place to fall back on. Because the question you ask yourself is, what is the other option? Say, he that will come, will come. He say, hold on to your confession of faith. Because he that promises faithful, he that comes will come. So we see that situation here. We see the word clearly telling them, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare. So even today, I'm still saying what I said yesterday. Even today. Before you went into captivity, I told you where you were going. When you were going, I said 70 years. 70 years came, it looked like it was sliding away. Somebody searched in the books and brought it, raised an alarm. And I released you and now you're back. Is it now that you're back that you lose hope? Go back to your stronghold. You prisoner, be a prisoner of hope. Let hope take you captive. Let hope be your sound mind. Let hope be what you wake up to. Let hope be what you sleep with. Because he that will come, will come. Wait for it. To tarry, but it will not tarry. And what is he telling them now? He said, if today I declare that I will restore double to you. <clears throat> God is not a man to lie. There's no shadow of turning with him. There is no variableness. When he sends you a word of comfort, when you have raised an alarm, when you cry, remember me. 
He said, I will remember you and I will come, I will save you, I will deliver you. So we see, he did not never forget his covenant people. What did he say when we were saying, as for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Captivity looked like a waterless pit. There are situations in our lives that look like you're in a waterless pit. You're in a pit. But thank God it's waterless, so you're not going to drown. He will pull you out. Even if you were in the water, that water would not overflow you. Joseph was put in the pit. That pit had no water. Didn't drown him. Preserved his life. Job was in a situation that looked like he was in a dunghill. But the torrent, the water, whatever he went through, God had already given an injunction. Don't touch his life. Because he knew he would return to him. As long as he was a prisoner of hope. And he would restore even double of more than he had before. So when we also look at the book of Job, we see the beginning. A man hedged about by God. A man that God bragged about. But a situation that God just washed and it seemed that the enemy had won. Devastation after devastation after devastation after devastation. And then he became the object of taunt by his friends who thought, oh, they were more righteous than him. Oh, that he did something wrong. That's why punishment came. And they started prescribing for him. But what did Job say? He said, I will wait until my change comes. Job was a prisoner of hope. Even when the wife said to him, curse God and die. What can this your God do for you? Look at you. Boils all over you. You cannot even sit. Ashes on your head. You have lost all your children. You have lost everything. So what is there about this God? Curse this God. Turn to her and say, you foolish woman. Father, we worship you. Job was a prisoner of hope. And what happened at the end? God restored. Double. Count what he had before. At the end, take time and count. I did. Double. So we see what we are reading here in this book of Zechariah. There is a case study. There are case studies in the Bible. We seem that, oh, God is long in coming. But when he came, he was perfect. And he still came. So we want to worship God and thank God today. That we are prisoners of hope. And we choose to stay in that stronghold. Holding on to our confession of hope. Knowing that he is faithful who promised. And that this hope will not disappoint. So we worship God and praise God and celebrate the access that we have. And we are privileged to hear him today saying, even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. I will, I will restore double to you. Even today, why? By reason of the blood of the covenant, we can safely see, yes, this also is us by the blood of the covenant, the blood of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So we stand in line, not condemned. We stand in line, justified because of the blood of the covenant, that this hope will happen. And it will no longer be hope. We'll see it. We'll see that double restoration of anything that looks like we have lost. 
Everything we have believed God for. Everything we sounded alarm for. Every cry that we cried, remember us for good. As it was with Ruth and Noami. As it was with Job. As it was with all the covenant people. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, name David, Joseph. Is it Nehemiah that we have studied? Is it Esther? Name it. Name them. None of them. Not one word of God filled. All of them held on to hope. They, became, they were prisoners of hope. That captivity came to an end. That temple was built and restored. If we read the book of Ezra, we see the jubilation. Father, we worship you. So magnifies you. Thank you for sending us this word today. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us the grace to stay in the prison of hope. God, this hope will not make us ashamed. Thank you, Holy Father, for even today declaring that you will restore double to us. You will restore double. When you speak, that is stands is a command. When you declare, nobody can alter it. You have given a commandment to bless, commandment for restoration. The command has gone out. It cannot be reversed. No altars can reverse it. So we begin this week thanking you. And this hope will not make us ashamed. We see a manifestation of your intervention. Manifestation that indeed you remembered your people. When you asked us to sound an alarm, it was not just to sound an alarm in vain. Thank you for your interventions. Thank you for your interventions in families. Thank you for interventions in health. Interventions of God in wisdom to do as occasion demands. Restoration of God of strength to go on. Restoration of God of visions. Restoration of purpose. Thank you, Holy Father. Thank you for sending us help from your sanctuary. Thank you for causing us to hear you clear as to which way to turn. We give you praise. For enterprises will be restored. Resources will be restored. The minds of people that were trying to sleep into depression that it would be, we declare that they are restored. Thank you for using hope to help your people. We bless you this morning. We celebrate you this morning. For we shall return with testimonies. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.